and welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom, and coming up on the show, we are going to talk about extreme dreams. Now, we like to talk about taking our passion, making it happen, and letting ourselves be great. And we all have goals, aspirations, dreams in life. But what if these dreams were extreme? We think about our goals, aspirations, and dreams in terms of what's manageable, what's doable. Can we accomplish it? But what about an extreme dream, something that is so big that we're not sure we can do it? People might tell us, no, we can't do that. They might laugh at us. They might mock us because they don't understand just how extreme our dream is. Have you had one of those before? Have you ever experienced a dream so big that it scared you? I'm not talking about you sleeping at night and you have a dream. I'm talking about something popped into your mind that you would like to do. Maybe start a business. Maybe go back to school, get a higher degree. Maybe go back to school and get a GED. Maybe open some sort of service that you're going to provide to the community. Maybe run for office. Something so big that it scares you. Think about this. Disneyland. You ever think about the origins of Disneyland? Now, Disneyland opened up in 1955 in Anaheim, California. Now, I wasn't around in 1955, so I'm not sure what Anaheim was like back then, but I would imagine that it had some wide open spaces, enough to build a park. And so then Disneyland was built. And then from there, you have, what, Orlando? And then you have Paris, Tokyo, Hong Kong, and then most recently in 2016, Shanghai, China. So from 1955 to 2016, Disneyland parks are opening up around the world. But what was the origin How did it start? You ever think about that? Well, Walt Disney obviously was the guy who created Disneyland, thus the name. Walt Disney, Disneyland. It was his land. He created it. But what gave him the idea? I mean, do you think it was something revolutionary? Do you think it was something that maybe like in Back to the Future, Doc Brown gets knocked on the head or hits his head and he comes up with the flux capacitor so he can time travel? Or is it something simpler? Well, I'll let Walt tell you himself. Well, it came about when my daughters were very young, and I, Saturday was always uh, Daddy's Day with the two daughters. So we'd start out and try to go someplace with, you know, different things, and I'd take them to the merry-go-round, and I took them different places. And as I'd sit there while they, uh, they rode the merry-go-round, did all these things, I'd sit on a bench, you know, eating peanuts, I felt that there should be something built, some kind of a, an amusement enterprise built where that the parents and the children could uh, have fun together. So that's how Disneyland started. Well, it took many years. It was a uh, oh, period of maybe 15 years developing the, 
the, uh, I started with many ideas, threw them away, started all over again. And eventually it evolved into what you see today as Disneyland. But it all started from a daddy with two daughters wondering where he could take them, where he could have a little fun with them too. <laughs> so that was it. A dream that started with a daddy on Saturday hanging out with his daughters, going to the merry-go-round, sitting on a bench, eating peanuts, watching the daughters go on the merry-go-round. What else? Well, it took 15 years. So if Disneyland opened in 1955, we're talking about 1940. He had plans, threw the plans away, redid it, started over until he got it right, was able to put all the pieces together, and now you have Disneyland. And unless you're in one of those cities, how do you get there? Well, for a lot of people, you might fly. What were the origins of flights? Well, granted, you had a lot of like blimps like the Zeppelin and like gaseous type of air flight, you know, whether it be helium or hot air or a number of things. You think of the Hindenburg and the Hindenburg tragedy, I think it was of 1936. But what about motorized air propellant? You know, you're, you're going through the air with a motorized engine. Well, you have to think of the Wright brothers, 1911, Kitty Hawk, New York, uh, North Carolina. So in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, in 1911, two brothers set flight in something that was mechanically propelled, like a jet propelled. It wasn't jet, obviously, but that was their intention. Could you imagine what people thought about when they heard that these guys wanted to change the way you flew through the air? Now, the Hindenburg was that blimp-like thing that went from Germany to New Jersey, and then it caught on fire when it hit New Jersey and was going to land. And so you did have some air flight out there, but imagine how much time it took to make that trip. And now all of a sudden, you've got these two guys that have dreamt big, big to the point of like, how are we going to do this? And eventually they got off the air. And now what do we have? You have flights that can go around the world. You have flights that can go nonstop. You have the Concorde that can go from New York to Paris and back in like no time. And so depending on where you're at, I remember during the lockdowns, Disneyland was closed. Disneyland Orlando, that was open. So if you're in Anaheim, California, I knew a lot of people in California that flew to Florida so they could get their Disney fix. So think about the stuff that happens today and the dreams that were so big, but yet people chase those dreams. And imagine the naysayers that told them that was absolutely ridiculous. You can't do that. wonder what Walt Disney faced with naysayers about an amusement park. Did he ever imagine that it would be a global thing? I don't know. But he started with one park, took 15 years, developed it all together, put a plan in motion, and the next thing you know, he got his park where he and his daughters can enjoy a day. And now people all over the world are enjoying this dream that started probably around 1940 but was completed and broke ground and opened up in 1955. And flights, the Wright brothers, 
able to take flight and soar? Did that lead to ideas of going to the moon? Imagine that. Big dreams. We're going to put somebody on the moon. And sometimes dreams will lead to other dreams, will lead to other dreams, will prompt other people to dream big. But the secret, according to Mark Twain, the secret to getting ahead is getting started. You've got to move your dream into action. You can't just sit there and think about it. If you sit there and just think about it and never put it into action, how are you going to achieve it? How are you going to impact people? You don't know. And so when we sit there and we talk about dreams, it's easy to have the dreams. It's easy to come up with them. I know some people that had eyelash businesses that they wanted to start or maybe eyebrows and, you know, kind of the beauty concepts, maybe hair concepts, you know, which I don't really think about because I don't have any, but you got people out there that want to be in the hair business. And so they're going to open their own salon or maybe they're going to start with getting their own chair at a salon and go from there. I mean, you think about these fashion designers, how did they come about? What did they start with? You know? And now you see them at these big galas like the Met putting on these monstrosities of fashion exhibits as people are wearing them down the red carpet. But it starts with a dream. What about painters? What about the pyramids? Sistine Chapel. I mean, you think about all these things, great architecture. It started with a dream. And you've got to put that dream in motion. And you've got to get it going. You think back to the Olympics, like Placid, New York, the Miracle on Ice. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, Miracle. Got a clip I want to play, but you had USA, Team USA, going up against the mighty Soviet Union in the semifinal game, pulling the upset, you know, the iconic Do You Believe in Miracles called by Al Michaels. But here's a clip. Talking, the coach talking to his team right before the game. You were born to be hockey players. Every one of you. And you were meant to be here tonight. This is your time. Their time? is done. It's over. I'm sick and tired of hearing about what a great hockey team the Soviets have. Screw them. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I think about the Goonies too. It's our time. It's our time up down here when they were looking for the gold. When I had Willie's gold maybe. It's our time. It's our time down here. It was their time, and they went out, took the ice, and won. But what are you born to do? Are you doing what you're born to do? This is your time. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to chase that dream? Are you going to let it sail off into the sunset without doing anything? Are you going to live the life that you want to live? Or are you going to live the life that you think you have to live? It's a big difference. A big difference between the two. You wanting to live the life you want to live versus the life you have to live because that's what you think you have to do because you listen to the naysayers, because you listen to people that say you can't, 
See, society likes to put us in a box, and this is where we're supposed to live, right? You go to school, and then maybe after high school, you either get a job or supposedly go to college, right? And then after college, maybe nowadays you have to get a master's or an advanced degree, and then you go get that job. And then you walk the corporate life. But what I like to do, especially when I was in a college class teaching, and even other places, you have this big whiteboard, and you put this box on the whiteboard, and you tell people that's where society wants you to live. They want you to live inside that box. But then the whiteboard has so much space on the outside of that box. And I would tell students, why limit yourself to that box? Dream outside the box. Dream up your Disneyland. Dream up your airplane. Dream up whatever it is that you want to do, whether it's fashion, beauty, media, music, computers, entertainment. I mean, think about all the computers and the computerized stuff that started in somebody's garage, in somebody's basement. And look how that revolutionized the world. But it starts with a dream. It starts with taking that dream, moving it into action, and then believing in yourself. What are the dream killers, you might ask yourself? We focus on the positive, but we do have to check the negative, the things that will kill your dreams. I'm not talking about Freddy Krueger either. So you have to be able to take risks in order to chase your dreams, right? What kind of risk will it take? Maybe getting a loan, maybe financial, maybe family. Maybe you don't go out on Friday, Saturday nights because you're pursuing your dream. Maybe you have to kind of delegate your time a little bit better to the different entities, family, friends, business. And there's a lot of different philosophies out there. There's a lot of different people that will say you sacrifice everything for your dream. And then others will say, no, you got to have balance. But that's something that I guess you have to come up with. But you have to take risks. If you're not, a, if you're not willing to take risks, then your dream will die because it does take a risk. Putting yourself out there takes a risk. My first risk that I took chasing my dream was I lived in L.A. for whatever it was, however many years it was, 24 years I think it was, by the time I left and went to Astorville, Iowa, a place I didn't even know existed, to pursue a job in radio. So I left a comfortable life with a job and a career in education that I probably could have had for all of eternity, and I risked it all to go and see if I could make it in radio. That was my first risk. And so what we have to do is we have to take those risks. So Steve Jobs, at the age of 12, you all know Steve Jobs, he called uh, Bill Hewlett of Hewlett-Packard, and he was basically looking for some spare parts. He thought, well, you know what? I need some spare parts for a device that I'm making. I'll call this computer company and you know, electronics company and see if they've got some extra parts for this device I'm building. Well, Bill Hewlett answers the phone himself. The bigwig, not the secretary, the bigwig, the boss, the main guy, the guy that's on the company's name. And he talked to him. And not only did he get the parts, but he got a job for the summer because he picked up the phone and made a call because he risked it. Now, a lot might not be a big risk, but if he hadn't called, he would have got nothing. So he took his dream and put it into action, made a phone call. What if Jobs never made that call? What if he didn't take the risk? What if he didn't try? He paid off. I bet you if 
that didn't work, he would have probably called somebody else, maybe Zenith or somebody. He probably would have kept going because once he heard no, in the radio, the first thing you learn in sales is that you go and you say, hey, you want to buy advertising on the radio station? No. That's when the job begins, trying to convince them why they need to be advertising on your radio station. So once you hear no, that's when the work really kicks in. That's when you need to start pounding sand and going after it. Because even if most people are telling him, you shouldn't do that. Don't bother him. The guy's not going to answer the phone. You're never going to get anywhere with him. You're wasting your time. And if you listen to that, who knows what the course of his life would have been. But he took the risk. See, because you're already doing without. Okay, you're already doing without. Jobs didn't have the stuff you needed, so what's the big deal? Make the call because you're already doing without. So there is no harm in asking. There is no harm in trying. There is no harm in reaching out and seeing what the response by me. Because if the response is no, what do you have to lose? You're already without. But what if the answer is yes? And see, a lot of people sit there and think that no, or they focus on that no, and that keeps them from dialing the phone or sending the email or reaching out because they focus on the no. I know a lot of people growing up, you know, you would be interested in somebody at school, but you'd be afraid to, you know, let them know because you didn't want to be rejected. You know, that whole relationship thing you see in the movies and you see it on TV episodes and all that. You like somebody, but you don't want them to know it because you fear the rejection. And that's what we focus on. We focus on the negative. But what if we're focusing on the yes? Okay. One of the things I learned in life, especially in uh, radio and producing radio shows, you have to call people and you'd have to try to get them on the show and you're competing with like every entity out there, right? And so I would expect a no. And I'd have my list of people and I'd keep going until I got my yes. It was a little backwards thinking because people that say you should expect the yes, but I knew I was realistic. I expected to know, but I had my list of people until I got my yes. And then if I went through the list and had all those, I'd go back and start the list over again until I got my yes. And so that's what you want. You keep going until you get your yes. So there is no harm in asking. There is no harm in taking action and going after it and pursuing. Because if the answer is no, nothing changed. But what if the answer is yes? Imagine how different your dream now becomes. So risk is one of the dream killers. Fear Fear is another. We've talked a little bit about that. People allow fear to keep them from accomplishing their dreams and even beyond their dreams. Fear keeps people from taking action. I would like to do this, but I don't think I can. I would like to do this, but I've got all this other responsibility. I would like to do this, but. And those buts could be big buts because it's inflated by the fear of you wanting to go after it. It's the, it's the fear of failure that is keeping you from chasing your dreams. It's the fear of not being able to do that. I mean, think about the fear of the virus led people to lock down for like up to two years, not being able to see their family, friends. Okay? So fear is powerful. It'll keep us from doing things, especially if the information that we're getting, and we allow that information go unchecked and we just take it at face value because someone could say, no, you can't do your dream. 
Well, what's their motivation? Because they're fearful and misery loves company. And so they're going to give you misinformation so that you don't pursue your dream because they don't want you to be successful. They don't want to see you go off and do great things. So fear. Derek Jeter, baseball player. You all should know him if you follow any type of sports. Hall of Famer or future Hall of Famer. I'm not sure if he's in yet, but Hall of Famer. Shortstop, New York Yankees. He had a dream growing up that he was going to be a baseball player. Shortstop, New York Yankees. How specific is that dream? And he made it come true. Now, when he got into the minor leagues, he was terrible. Started out horribly. Slump after slump and struggled hitting. But he never let his dream die. He never said, I'm not good enough. He just worked on his game. Eventually made it and had a Hall of Fame career. Now, one of the things that he says is that fear of failure keeps people from chasing their dreams. I think sometimes people are afraid to, to uh, pursue their dreams because they're afraid of the unknown. Um, and then they're also afraid of failure. You know, I'm coming from a sport where you fail seven out of ten times, you're considered good. So I don't, I mean, besides a weatherman, I don't know if there's any other <laughs> profession that works like that. But, uh, you know, people are afraid of failing. They're, they're afraid of, of, of someone telling them that they're not good enough, an idea or something that they're doing. They're afraid of the learning process. Um, you know, it takes time to get to be good at something. So um, you have to be willing to put forth the effort and the time. Seven out of ten times you fail in baseball, you're a success. You're a Hall of Famer. Think about that. See, don't be afraid to fail. Failure leads to learning. Learning leads to success. Success takes effort and time. Use that formula, and you focus on that formula, and you realize time. Walt Disney, 15 years to put his dream into reality. If you have a dream to be a major league player, it might take some time to get there. But you continue to work at it. You learn from failure. I mean, in everyday life, what do you do? You learn from failure. If you're in school and you take a test and you get something wrong, there's a chance that you probably remember the information that you got wrong and had to go back and correct more than the information you got right. Or if you're in construction, you do something wrong. You're in business. You have finance. You do something wrong. You're going to remember that mistake. You're going to learn from it because you don't want to repeat it. And oftentimes we let the successes just go because we don't focus on it because that's what we expect. It takes mindset. So we focus on the failure to learn from it, to redo something, and we move on. And I like to use the word lack of success because we all know, like I've said before, failure, even though it's kind of thrown around loosely when you don't accomplish something, failure really only happens when you stop trying, you quit. That's when you've truly failed. Because what happens is if you keep going, like in baseball, you fail seven times, okay? So you go 0 for 7. You're in a slump. Two games, you haven't gotten a hit. Maybe you've struck out all seven times. But then what happens? You get three hits in a row. Now you're hitting 300. Pretty good average in baseball. You see? And during that time, hopefully what you're doing is you're learning from those strikeouts. What am I doing? What am I not seeing? How am I not making contact with the ball? And you go back in the hitting cage and you work on it and you're learning. And then all of a sudden, boom, it takes off. 
And now your mindset starts to become positive. So you start to believe you can do it because when we get these lack of successes, our mindset starts to question, can we really do this? Do we have the ability to do this? But if you believe in yourself and you know that you can do this, then you're learning from the failure. Okay, I'm struggling. Like Kobe Bryant has said in the past, when he was first in the league, his jump shot toward the end of his first season started to fall short, fall short, fall short. Figured out that, okay, I need to develop leg strength, work on my legs, work on my jump shot so I have more strength in my legs, more stamina. And so he found something that wasn't working, came up with a solution, got with the people, the powers that be that could help him, surrounded himself with good people, and he worked on his legs. Second year, jump shot improved, didn't fall short. And that's what we need to do sometimes is figure that out. There's an old Asian legend. There's a man walking on the road to a big city. Along the road, he met fear and plague. Fear and plague were on their way to kill about 10,000 people in this big city. The man asked why plague was going to kill that many people. Plague replied, oh, no, I'm only going to kill about 2,000. Fear is going to kill the rest. So fear is a big dream killer. Fear will paralyze us, keep us from taking chances. George Adair, I believe he was a mathematician. Everything that you want is on the other side of fear. If you can get through that, break through that fear, you can achieve pretty much anything you want. So fear, risk, those can be dream killers. But what about change? They say in life, there are three guarantees. Death, taxes, and change. It's inevitable. So you have to be willing to adapt to the changing times. Whatever that might be for you. Maybe your business started out doing one thing or one business model. And now you have to shift Here's an example, maybe, okay? Instagram came out before TikTok, and Instagram, you had the ability to do stories and posts, right? And then um, at some point, TikTok comes along, and now their whole thing is this video, I guess what you would call now reels on Instagram, but it was video, these videos, right? And so then what happened was TikTok took over the market, so Instagram saw this, and they're like, okay, we need to do that. So they made another section called Reels. So now you can have a post, you can have your story, and you can have Reels. So if you wanted to, you could have a video in that section. You could really post a picture. And then in the posting section or whatever, and then in your stories or whatever. Now, at least on mine, everything becomes a Reel. They've changed it. So even if I took a picture, it becomes a Reel. So they changed everything because they saw the success of TikTok. Now, a lot of people didn't like that because they liked the, the variance being able to do, do different things, you know, put a reel here. And now we had to change. So influencers and people maybe had to change the way they kind of approach their social media based on what was given to them, let alone algorithms and stuff like that. And so if you post something, at least on mine, if I post something, it becomes a reel. And now I have to fix all the, the sizes, you know, if it's 69, it's gotta be this size, you know, one colon one, all, you know, 
all the measurements and stuff, you know? So now you got to worry about that if you really want it to look good. And so you got to change. Think about the automobile business. You know, when you had the assembly line, Henry Ford famous for starting the assembly line or creating that concept. And then people would work on the assembly line and then it became automated. If you didn't change and adapt and maybe go find something else to do within that automation, maybe learn how to fix them, or maybe learn computers or learn how to program these machines. If you were just guy that stuck tires on the vehicle, on the axle, and that was the only thing you did, you were changed right out of a job. The industry changed you right out of a job. So you have to adapt. So change happens. So you have to be willing to adapt to the changing times. And your dreams might change as life goes on. So expect it. You might start out with one dream and then realize, okay, now I want to morph it into something else. That's okay too. It's your life. You can live it. It's your dream. You can live it. It'll change you and the people around you. Your dreams. So not only do times change, but your dreams will change you and the people around you, your friends, your family, social circles. And as you pursue your dreams, you don't want to settle either. You don't want to settle for, okay, I need to sacrifice my dreams to be with my friends. That's your call. But you have to live your life, and you don't want to look back with regret. Change is good. For example, if you have something fast, make it faster. If you have something that is smart, make it brilliant. If there's something that's good, make it great. Think how many times people have taken an idea and improved upon it. It's gotten better. You think about even just cars, how cars have improved over time. Now it's gotten to the point where they're forcing you to buy an electric vehicle, not a gas-powered vehicle. Times have changed. You start rethinking things. You think about air flight from Kitty Hawk when that first flight took off with the Wright brothers to how it is now today. Computers. Imagine a life without computers. Remember when Joshua and War Games came out? Computers. That was kind of like the first real exposure a lot of people had to the computer world and what computers were like or maybe the Apple IIe or the Commodore 64. And now look at what computers. You know, back in the day, the first computer, I think, had the servers and things were like needed rooms of space. And now you've got a computer on your phone. The computer on your phone, your phone, your cell phone, your smartphone, is more advanced than a lot of computers that came before it. So change, you got to be able to, to change. The patent office the commissioner of the patent office in 19, no, check that, in 1899. So it wasn't quite 1900. 1899, the commissioner of the patent office, the patent office is where you have to apply for patents if you have an idea so people can't steal it from you, right? So you get a patent so your ideas are protected. This is what the commissioner of the U.S. patent office said in 1899. Everything that can be invented has been invented. Everything that can be invented has been invented. Now, I've seen posters of this. I've seen quotes of this everywhere. So whether it's accurate or not, it does show the limited mindset when it comes to change. Okay? Some people say that it was taken out of context, and that's not exactly what he said. But again, you had a limited mindset in 1899. 
There was no vision to see what might come later in life. There's no vision to see what you can do because you're limiting yourself. You've got these blinders on. You know, we talked about the automotive industry and the assembly line workers that became obsolete because they didn't adapt. You go to the grocery store now, there's self-checkout lines where you can go through and beep your own stuff through. Automated teller machines. Computers and technology are taking businesses away. So if you don't adapt, I mean, think about my first car was a 64 and a half Mustang. The engine was so simple. You'd open the hood and you can actually see the ground because there wasn't a whole lot of stuff in it. If I wanted to change the oil filter, I could. If I wanted to change the air filter, I could. I could do the simple things. And then all of a sudden cars became electronic. And then you open the hood and now there's like everything under there. You can't even see the ground anymore. So things change. They jam so much stuff in there. And so if you were a mechanic, you had to learn all that stuff. And then that's where I got lost because I wasn't interested. So my minimal mechanical skills went obsolete. Now you pop open a car and it's like, where's the dipstick? It's probably the one looking at the engine. The pre-computer world versus the post-computer world. Phone books are gone. We don't use phone books anymore. Rotary dials. How many times have you seen a video recently on social media where the adults, the parents, I guess, are just looking at the uh, kids and saying, here's a rotary phone. See if you can figure it out. And they're like, what? Music. Remember the music stores like Blockbuster, Music Plus? Used to go through and scroll through the cassettes or the CDs. Remember Columbia House, I think it was? We got 20 cassettes or CDs for a penny. Now all that stuff is gone because you can just get it right online. Digital downloads. And so some of the experience of life has also gone. I used to enjoy going to the music store and flipping through and seeing what was there looking at the jewel boxes or the back of those big, long, rectangular CD cases, you know. Maybe you had a chance to listen to a demo. I remember when they first came out, I think it was there was like a Blockbuster or some music store at CityWalk Universal, and you could go through and they had these stations. You could push the button, put the headphones on, and hear different samples of different songs, see if you liked it or not. And that experience is gone. Music stores are gone. Video stores, Blockbuster. Other places, Be Kind, Rewind, gone. The Walkman, gone. So change is inevitable. So you have to be able to change. But once you're prepared to take your risks, to overcome fear, and to accept change, you can start your dream. Take that light bulb moment, move it forward, put it into motion, and then go after it. So I would say to you, dream big. Dream often. Dream in detail. Like in depth, don't just sit there and say, I'm going to open a shop, a store. I'm going to get into fashion. I'm going to do this and then leave it there. What else about it? What can branch from that? Maybe you have an immediate thing that you can start, but then how can you evolve it and grow it and make it bigger than what it is? So dream. Going back to Walt Disney, he had a quote that said, first you think, second dream, third believe, and finally dare. Dare to do it. So first you're going to think. Think about some of the things that you're going through. Think about some of the things that are exciting to you. Think about some of the things that you want to pursue. And then dream about it. Like when I started this podcast, I was like, okay, 
been in the radio business. Now I'm moving towards education, but I'm on a college campus and have an opportunity to not only teach, but what else can I do to maybe try to impact the lives of college students? Because college is a time where everything changes for people. You know, once you reach 18, some people get kicked out of the house because they think that the parents think that they're adults enough to take care of themselves and they don't want that responsibility anymore. But it's like starting over again because you've had this elementary school, middle school, high school life, but now you're out in the real world and change takes place. So much change going from high school, big man on campus to now nobody even knows who you are at the college level and a lot of change trying to figure out life. And so I thought, what else could I do? So I decided to do a podcast played on campus radio and other places and let people hear. And I had a goal to reach those people and let them know, you know, I'm just a little bit older. I've gone through life. I'm just a couple steps ahead of you in life. This is what I've learned. Maybe you can learn from me. And then once that all changed, no longer on campus, now it's like, what's the new focus? Now the new focus is just letting people know that you can take your passion, make it happen. You can let yourself be great. You can raise the standard and you bring out your inner greatness inspire and motivate others to do the same and make change in your community and your neighborhoods. And so that's now the focus where it goes next. Not quite sure, but got some ideas. Also thought about, okay, how else can I do it? Well, back in then, you know, a lot of people had put podcasts and audio podcast. So I wanted a video podcast too, that could put on YouTube and social media. And I thought, where else can I do it? I started putting it on TV stations. Started to grow a little bit. Fortunately, Pandemic then kind of hit and stalled some things, and the world changed. For two years, the world changed. Now as we're just starting to come back out, I've got some ideas and things I want to do, and I have to pick it back up, but I had to wait because the limitations of things outside my control, such as lockdowns and the pandemic and stuff, changed things. But that didn't stop my dreams. That didn't stop my goals. That didn't stop my aspirations. And I still dream big. I still have ideas and things that I want to do. And so I dare to dream. I dare to follow that dream. And then I dare to suffer through the pain, the sacrifice, the self-doubt, although I really don't experience self-doubt too much. But you always want to check yourself, make sure you're, you're doing it, doing it uh, the way you want and how you want and not listening to the naysayers out there and all the other negative things that people might say because it's not an easy road. It's not an easy road to go down when you're chasing your dream, especially when those dreams are extreme, big, Some people's dreams are just to be a mother. That's all they want to be is a mom. How life-changing is that? All the risks involved. Maybe the fear of the unknown. It's always that joke, right? You have your first kid and there's all this fear. Check every single cough, every single sneeze. You check them, you poke them, make sure they're breathing. All this stuff, right? And then the third kid comes along and you don't even know where it's at. It's living its own life because you've adapted but you overcome the risk, the fear, the change, the change of diapers. I was watching a, a Garth Brooks documentary recently, and um, he was telling about his, it was about his life. And one of the things when he first went to uh, Nashville, so he was in Stillwater, Oklahoma, and he was successful in Stillwater, hitting the clubs and stuff of the college town. And some people banded together and gave him some money to go to Nashville. Goes to Nashville, has an experience, and within 24 hours, he bolts Nashville gone. He says, I can't do this. I don't want to be a part of this. I don't think I can do this. Let's go back to the comforts of Stillwater and the success and the fans. Eventually makes his way back to Nashville. 
Yeah, at this point, I guess at some point he gets married. He's living in a house with like a bunch of other people because that's all they could afford because they're just starting out. Eventually, he gets an opportunity to meet somebody who wants to then take him under his wing and be his like, I guess, promoter, manager. Eventually, the manager takes him to all the record labels in Nashville. They all say no. Now what? He decides to go back to, what is it, the Bluebird Cafe, which is where a lot of people go to sing to showcase themselves and record executives will show up. So one night he's at Bluebird. Every record company just told him no. Now, he was scheduled to be seventh in line for the lineup at Bluebird. Well, the guy that was supposed to play second was pretty much a no-show. And so the promoter of the night or whoever asked Garth, hey, do you mind filling the slot? We can bump you up to the second spot. And Garth's like, absolutely. I'll, I'll jump in on second. No big deal. So he gets up there and he plays. And he plays a heck of a show. Or a performance showcase. Now, what he didn't know was that there were record executives there that night to take a look at the guy who was supposed to sing second, the no-show. Instead, they saw Garth Brooks. Next thing you know, this lady walks over to the manager guy and says, hey, I think we made a mistake. Can you bring him by the office on Monday? He gets signed to $10,000. But still, that's exciting, right? But still, the struggle. He was able to move out of the house with a bunch of people and get a place for him and his wife. And, but the struggle starts to begin to chase the dream. Now he has to go on the road. I think at one point he said he was on the road 300 out of 365 days that year or over a stretch of time. And then he hits the road, becomes bigger, bigger, recording, more songs. Got a little lucky with some of the people he met. You know, people were introducing him to different people. And then eventually... After 14 years and having the most successful career you could possibly have, he realizes, A, he's losing his wife, getting divorced, and B, he doesn't know his kids, his three daughters. So he retires because he wants to know his daughters. So the sacrifice it did cost him something to chase his dreams. He eventually spent you know, time with his, uh, I guess the next 14 years or so with his daughters, raised them, and now he's gotten back into the music again. But again, there was sacrifice. It does cost. But are you willing to do that? Now, can you find a balance? How much success do you want? Maybe you're not going to go on a world tour and be on the road. I think Bruce Springsteen in his Born in the USA tour, I think that was like a two-and-a-half-year tour. He left single, came back married, and was gone for two-and-a-half years. So, yeah, it can get pretty crazy to chase your dreams. But Howard Schultz, CEO of Starbucks, has something to say about that. I feel so strongly that the reason I'm here is I dreamed big dreams. I dreamed the kind of dreams that other people said would not be possible. I'm also living proof. This isn't a Hollywood movie. I come literally from the other side of the tracks. If you saw where I grew up and we took a picture of it, the neighborhood, the setting, you'd say it's not, it's impossible that someone could come from there and get here but it is possible and not to sound too trite it's possible because we still live in a country where the entrepreneurial spirit is so alive and so well and anyone in this country if you dream big and surround yourself with great people and leave your ego at the door and share success with others and have a little luck along the way you can do anything But there will be people along the way, and I remember this, 
who will say to you, you know, you're dreaming too big. It's not possible. Those things just can't happen. Don't allow anyone, friend, family, acquaintance, teachers, whoever it is, don't allow anyone to tell you that what you are dreaming for yourself and your family is not possible. It is possible. Don't be one of those people 20 years from now are going to be walking around in a 9 to 5 job miserable and angry and bitter because you let your dreams get away from you because you did not believe strongly enough in yourself and what was possible. Don't allow that to happen. This is an unbelievable time. And I can't encourage you enough to continue to think that things are possible and that your dreams can come true. Dream big dreams. Dream the impossible. Surround yourself with great people. Throw in a sprinkle of luck. Avoid the naysayers. Don't let your dreams get away from you. Any successful person kind of follows that formula that Schultz just shared with you. Dream big. Take people with you. If you think that it's going to take time away from your family, involve the family. If it's going to take time away from your, your friends, maybe involve them. Be creative. Think outside that box. Find out what fits because, again, it's your dream. So have an extreme dream and go after it and maybe involve some people in it. So how do you overcome? Risk, fear, change. Boldness and courage is the way you overcome it. Boldness, acting aggressively. Courage, the mental, moral strength to persevere, withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. So if you show courage and tenacity through all this, not only will you be able to accomplish your dreams, but you will impress yourself. So impress yourself. Show courage, tenacity, boldness. Reminds me of a time uh, Derek Jeter played a clip from him. He even talks about homesick. And he called home all the time, and every two weeks his parents would come and see him. And he'd call home all the time. His parents would come and see him, get homesick. Justin Morneau, he was a a baseball player, but played for the Twins, came up to the Twins organization from Canada. And when they sent him to Florida, the Twins, because he had made it and he was going to, you know, the minor leagues, he would somehow find a way to listen to Canadian radio because he got homesick and he wanted that taste of home. When I left uh, L.A. to go to Iowa, I never experienced homesickness because I was chasing my dream and I was focused on it and I was chasing it and I was going after it. But yeah, there's some creature comforts from home that, you know, you'd miss out kind of the, the memories of the past and all that that came with it. But I never really got homesick, but I can understand what people would because it's change. You got to be able to, to make change. And now there's been so much change in my life that I think change doesn't even affect me. I think I've become jaded to change, which could be the opposite, have the opposite effect maybe a negative effect, but I'm used to change. I like take risks. 
I'll do things when there was uh, radio. I'd do things in radio that people would look at me and be like, why? I don't care if I fail. Bosses did. I'm like, dude, it's one segment on one radio show. The bombs will just come back with something else. Back then, we can always come back and talk Lakers because it was during the Kobe Shaq years. But let's try something. A lot of times, it would work. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. And I was able to bring the sports show to the highest ratings where they were getting bonuses. The hosts were getting bonuses for performance, ratings bonuses. We had the number one rated show from 12 to 4 in L.A., sports talk show. And then when I was working at the Frank Sontag show, helped him bring that show to the highest ratings that station ever had for that time slot in the 35-year history. Able to do some things, but dream big. And so, yeah, my big dream was in 1996, leaving California to go to Iowa, small town in northwest Iowa, population of 5,000, going from L.A. to Esterville. Imagine the culture shock. And so I took the risk and I left. In fact, I never went back. I was only going to go to audition, so to speak, do the interview, see if it's something that I could get the job, head back home, pack up, and then take off again, right? Maybe give my two weeks notice to the company I was working at, called my dad, said, hey, I got the job, I'm coming home. He's like, no, stay there, we'll ship you your stuff. I'm like, what? I wasn't prepared for that. I was prepared to come here, but I wasn't prepared to not ever go back home. They shipped me my stuff. Boxes came. Now what? I guess I'm here. Change. Unexpected change. Now I had to do it. So I spent the week uh, training with the guy. And finally, I was like, you know what, dude? Just, just go. I'll do it. I'll figure it out. I'll take care of it. Do it my way. Because I had my, my dreams. And I ran with it. And so risk, fear, change. I went after it. Now it's the, the new normal for me. It takes extreme courage. It takes extreme courage to continue chasing your dreams, especially if you aren't successful the first time. If you're not successful the first time, people quit. I can't do this. Listen to the naysayers. Give in to the negativity. But if you want to try again, it takes extreme courage to continue chasing that dream. It might be a second time, might be a third time. But keep going because as long as you keep going and you're trying, you're taking steps towards being successful. You're taking steps towards achieving your dream because as long as you keep going, you haven't failed. You just learned a different way of how not to do it. And you learn from those failures and learning leads to success and success comes over time. So showing boldness and courage, listen to this, showing boldness and courage could change your life forever. Don't be frightened. Don't be intimidated. Dream big. Extreme dreams could change your life. It could lead to you living It could lead to you living the life you want to live versus the life that you think you have to live. But it's up to you. It's up to you if you want to take your dream, move it into action. 
One of the biggest things that I hear from people sometimes is regret. And they don't really pose it as regret. But like, you know what? If I could go back, I would do this. Well, don't live with regret. It's better to try and fail. And I mean fail like, okay, you give up. You're going to go do something else. It's better to have tried and failed than to never have tried at all. So even if you go after a business, maybe the business isn't successful. Maybe people don't want to buy your merchandise. They don't want to visit your eating establishment. Because there's a lot of factors that can go into things, decisions as to why things don't happen that are beyond you. You do everything the right way, then all of a sudden a pandemic comes along and you've lost your business because you've been locked down. Or something else happens. Or maybe there's a new trend, a new fad. A new social media platform takes off. And now you're left scrambling. Remember MySpace? Or remember Periscope? Obsolete. Gone away. Or remember Dial-Up, AOL? You've got mail? See, a lot changes. And so sometimes you might have to adapt that dream with the changing of the times. But again, even if you have the courage and the boldness to go after it, and let's just say worst case scenario doesn't work out, it's better to say it, it is better to have said that you've tried than to never have tried at all. So go after it. Dream big. Extreme dreams. Life-changing dreams. Disneyland-esque dreams. Don't let fear of failure. Don't let fear of not being able to achieve. Don't listen to the naysayers. Don't listen to people that tell you you can't. Because remember, if you think you can, you're probably right. If you think you can't, you're probably right. I remember when I first moved back to uh, L.A. after leaving Scotts Bluff, Nebraska, doing play-by-play for high school sports, college sports, and I went back to um, Los Angeles, and I was working at a sports station, but all they did was college and professional, you know, play-by-play, right? And so I thought, how can I get high school play-by-play, you know, for me to do? And so I was calling around to different entities like technology companies, internet companies, and things like that, and nobody really had that technology at that time for to be able to go and set up at a high school stadium and then broadcast because the method of broadcasting, you know, over the internet wasn't really quite there. And so I was looking, looking, looking. And finally I found this uh, company called live 365. I'm not sure if they're still around, but I know they went away at one time. They might be back, but it was live 365 and you could broadcast a lot of times when people would broadcast just music, they would load up the, the log, you know, the software with music, and then they'd play their live streaming radio station, but they, came to the point where they're like, yeah, you could, you know, if you can connect to the server somehow, we could get you to broadcast live. You know, we can, we can configure it. So I'm like, how can I do that? So then I, so I've got my broadcast platform and it was rough. It was rough in the early days. There'd be times I wouldn't even be able to get on or I'd be get on midway through the first quarter. I'd call support and there'd be times I'd get there and I'd have to log on two hours ahead of time to make sure I was connected, but it, it, it worked. Now, how do I get to the, the internet to, to log on? Finally found Verizon. Verizon had a computer with Wi-Fi, I guess, or like a, a, an, an internet connection in this computer. So I had this computer, laptop. I'd click on to the Verizon link. That would link me to their like phone cell phone service, you know, that you get the cell phone. Cell phone then connected to 
the Live 365, and then Live 365 would broadcast the games. You know, so I'd be able to broadcast the games through this. And of course, there'd be times when things would wouldn't work out because of technology, and it would drop, or I'd be broadcasting and it wouldn't be airing. A lot of things, but I found a way. Was the point, and it was a non traditional way. Verizon and a laptop, and you click on it, and it gives you a cell phone connection to their satellites, I guess. And then from there, that kind of gave me Wi-Fi. And then from Wi-Fi, I was able to connect to the Live 365. Now you can bring a hotspot. And so then eventually it was like, okay, I don't need all that. I can have my equipment, bring my hotspot, or even now my cell phone has hotspot. You can connect it. And then you hook onto the, the laptop and you connect to what I do now is Broadcast Matrix out of Seattle. And boom, it's a lot easier. But I remember the early days, I would call people, and nobody had the ability. A couple of people told me, no, it can't be done yet. Maybe, you know, give us a call back in a couple of years. We might have that technology or that ability to do it. I wanted to do it. So 2010 was the first year that I was able to get this thing up and running. Find a school. Then I had to find a school. I'd call schools, and schools would be like, I don't know what you're talking about. No, we can't do it. And then finally, a, a school, South Pasadena High School. I was coaching baseball. Talk to the athletic director. He's like, yeah, if you want to, go ahead and knock yourself out, whatever. I don't think he really understood, but he saw that, yeah, there's, some, there's probably some value in it. And then football went to basketball. Now people start to see the value. Basketball went to baseball. Now you really see the value because it's hard for parents to get away at 3 o'clock in the afternoon to go see baseball, but they can log on to the Internet and listen to their kid play baseball. But I found a way to make it happen. No was not an option. It took time to get it all into place. And then I had like an eight to 10 year run with it before things started to change. And I started to go do other things, but I found a way starting this podcast, found a way, made it happen, found TV stations to air it on, found all the places you listen to podcasts. So it can broadcast on social media, to share it. And the goal is to reach that one person at that one time that needs to hear that one thing, whatever it might be, that helps them out. And that's the goal. This is Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. Check out our website, RadioWarp.com. That's Radio W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. You can just click on the uh, Two Steps Ahead podcast logo, and all our shows pop up. There's our SoundCloud. If you click the video, our YouTube comes up. You can also subscribe to our YouTube and SoundCloud and get notifications and never miss an episode. Like I said... We can, you can listen to the audio portion anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, iHeartMedia Podcasts, etc. You can Google search TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, and all the stuff pops up. Um, Instagram, TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Link tree link in the bio, click on that. You've got options to click on, including our merchandise shop if you want to buy some swag. Like hoodie season's coming, so maybe you want to purchase a Two Steps Ahead Podcast hoodie and be one of the cool kids. So that's there. And then, hey, Suri, hey, Google, hey, Alexa, play TWO, Two Steps Head Podcast, and we pop up. So pretty easy to find. You just have to do the work. Chase your dream of listening to the show and just Google search us, and you can find us. Or go to YouTube or SoundCloud, and you can find us. Or anywhere you listen to podcasts, and you can find us. And then you can just subscribe and be notified and never miss an episode. So dream big, dream often, and dream in detail, in depth, and then chase it. Don't let... Risk, fear, or change deter you 
from chasing your dreams. Take your passion, make it happen. Let yourself be great. This is Two Steps Ahead Podcast. I am signing them. Hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.